Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Welcome back to Crossroads Church, week three of I Am Second. I see t-shirts out there. I see wristbands. Um, but what I want you to know is it's not about the t-shirts. It's not about the wristbands. I Am Second is about when God's story meets your story. See, we've all got a story. Some of us have a few. But the most important thing is that that story has a conflict, an interaction, a collision with God's story. And so today we are in week three. I think about Stephen Baldwin who just shared his story. And it was because of Augustus, his housekeeper, that his story met God's story. And then Jesus got involved and a legacy has been created. Today I want to talk to you about the topic of who is in your village. Who is in your, you didn't know you lived in a village, did you? You probably didn't know that you have a lot of villages that you walk in and out of just about every day of the week. Today I want to show you that you do. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of John. If you are here this morning and you don't own a copy of God's Word, I want you to look in front of you underneath those seats. There are Bibles there. If you'll pull one of those out, there's a message on the inside cover just for you. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, that we want you to take that one you're holding and make it yours. Write your name in there. Take it home with you. We believe that it's important that everybody have access and the ability on a daily basis to open up God's Word. If you found the book of John, chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 7. John, chapter 4, and verse 7. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, it's interesting. A few years back, I'm at Scott Air Force Base. I'm in the base theater. There's about 500 people in there. And one of the things that I have learned, not necessarily that I have uh, worked on effectively, but one of the things that I have learned is that in a public setting, there's things that you don't talk about. Uh, and, and a couple come to mind, race, religion, and politics. Those are three things. If you're at the water cooler at work, if you start on one of those, somebody's walking away mad. What you're going to find out today is that Jesus addressed that. But here's what I found out. When I brought that up in, in this crowd of 500, I, I shared that with them, and then this little old lady's voice yelled out, and sex. So apparently there's four things that you shouldn't talk about in a public setting, race, religion, politics, and sex. 
you may find this amazing, or you may just be enamored with my preaching skills, but I'm going to show you that Jesus brought up all four of those topics here at the well. So uh, here's what uh, she asked the question, and, and I want to tell you this. You need to be careful what questions you ask. And I don't mean what questions you ask every day. I'm talking about the questions that you ask God. Now, I get it. She didn't know that she was talking to God. She didn't know that she was talking um, to God in the form of a man. But you do. And so she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now, the Bible tells us why that that would make sense. But I think there might be a little more to the story. I think that maybe she was wanting to find out what is he after. Maybe he's not after just a drink of water. Because everybody knows that the, the proper ladies didn't come to get water at noon. They came out in the morning when it was cool. But there was something about this lady that she was rejected. Matter of fact, oh, there's something about this lady where she had shame and she didn't want to be there when everybody else was there. She didn't want to be there hearing people talk knowing that they're talking about her. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew. And I'm here to tell you that there are times when you ask God questions that I would encourage you to be careful what you ask for, that God wants to say to you, just like he said to this young lady, if you knew. If you knew that the God that you're calling out to it was the creator, he has the ability to, to allow or make anything happen that he chooses. If you knew. And what's crazy is we probably convince ourselves, I know that. I know that's who God, I know who I'm praying to, but do you really? Your words say that, but sometimes our actions don't. And Jesus goes on and says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given to you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And then here's the other question she asks. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Now understand, the Samaritan people were rejected by the Jews. And yet here, in the land that was theirs, they had their father's inheritance. They had the father's well. The one that he drank from. The one that he had probably dug. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I go back to the, if you only knew. I think most of us go through this life, most of us make it through the week, 
and we have no concept of eternity. We don't think about the actions that we make today beyond what's going to happen tomorrow. But the reality is this, that what we do today will stay with us through eternity. That's what Jesus is telling this young lady. Verse 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This was not one of her most favorite exercises of the day. Matter of fact, she dreaded going to get water because she might run into somebody. I can imagine that many of us go through our weeks and there's things that we would rather not do. There's people we'd rather not see. There's conversations we'd rather not have. But if you went to the beginning of the chapter, Jesus told his disciples that I have to go through Samaria. He didn't have to. There was a better way. Matter of fact, most people use the other way. But Jesus said, I have to. Because he knew that somebody was going to be there that need to have a conversation with him. And I would tell you that there are things that we avoid and we try to go around and we try to avoid it. And, and I'm here to tell you, and the Holy Spirit tells you that you have to do it. You've got to go. You have to have that conversation. You need to meet that person. Conversation changes. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Told you sex was going to get involved in this. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying that I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said a very profound statement to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Have you had that moment where the Holy Spirit has been tugging? You've been hearing the same message over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden you open up God's word. There's this verse here that says exactly what you've been being told a hundred times, a dozen times. And you realize that that's a message from God. That's exactly where she was. See, when she first saw Jesus, she's wondering, what do you really want? Then they get into this conversation about water, and she doesn't quite understand that. And then he speaks into her life. And he speaks in such a way that she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was something different. There was something special about this guy sitting at the well. Verse 20. She now brings politics into the conversation. She goes, our fathers worshiped here on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus brings it back to religion. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27, we have a a bit of an interruption. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman because the rest of the story is this. Not only did a man not talk to a woman in public, but a rabbi could ruin his entire ministry having a conversation alone with a woman at the well. And yet Jesus risked all that to have a conversation. He risked his reputation to speak the word of God into her heart. Verse 28. And so the woman left her water jar, and she went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be Messiah? Can this be the one who our father's father's father told us would come one day? They went out of the town and were coming to him. In verse 31, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. They brought in the food with them. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. This is one thing in our Christian lives that I think most of us miss, and that is fulfillment. We're looking for it in relationships, and yet we're not fulfilled, and so we go and find another relationship. We're looking for it in books, and we're not fulfilled, and so we go find another book to read. We're looking for it in the job, and the job doesn't give us fulfillment, and so we quit that job, and we go get another job. And every person walking on this planet today has a hole in their heart that the only thing that will fit in there is the message of Jesus Christ. And they try to find it in jobs. They try to find it in money. They try to find it in sex. They try to find it in fulfilling in every other way. But the reality is it never happens for them. And so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. And now he teaches his Disciples in verse 35. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Have you noticed if you've been driving up and down the roads that the harvest has started to happen? The corn went from green to brown, and all of a sudden there's nothing there the next day. The bean fields have turned brown, and the the combines go over those. Dust is thrown up everywhere, and then the field is bare. Well, Jesus is telling his disciples in four months, see, the fields still have all the corn. The the fields are still covered with the beans when he says these words. He says, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. The Samaritans, if you didn't know this, wore white hats. 
And I can just see this picture. That when Jesus says that, he looks and he looks beyond the cornfield. He looks, he looks beyond the wheat field. He looks beyond the beans that are growing. And there coming down the path are about 50 men from this city, all wearing these white hats. And that's probably all you could see. And so his disciples are looking and they see that. And now Jesus speaks into their lives. In verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. You know, a whole lot of that is going on here at Crossroads Church. Many of you are enjoying the labors of somebody else. This pr property was purchased by somebody else. Not a dime that you've ever given to this church helped purchase this property. Somebody else labored there. But you know what? You have an opportunity for this December to put a little bit of labor, to put a little bit of wages, and somebody else will sit down to a Christmas meal. Somebody else will get to deliver the Christmas meal. Somebody else will get to bless somebody because of your labor. And a whole lot of other people reaping from the work that someone else had done. I think about our men's group last year, and this guy showed up, looked half crazy, sat across the table from me, and when he had a chance to share his story, why are you here? says, I'm here because I reached out to another pastor in the community and no response. I'm here because somebody told me, you know what? You need to reach out to Josh Cross. So he reached out to Josh Cross, and within minutes, the message came back onto his phone. Matter of fact, I think it was a pages, like he was, you know, doing one of those things. And then a few days later, he's in our men's group. This past Thursday night, Ronnie Whipple sat down with a group of people going through an I Am Second Bible study because of the labor that happened a year ago. Because a lady in our church told him he needed to reach out to Josh Cross. And because Josh Cross sent a message back, and then he showed up. That's not the only story that happened in our church. Earlier this year, hurricane season is usually only from June until October. But we found out in Crossroads Church in Centralia, Illinois, that in February, hurricanes still roll in. And because earlier in the week, one of the ladies in our church saw a, a plea, a cry for help. On, have you all ever seen that on Facebook? Someone like puts a message out there. They don't say, I need help, but you, you're like, oh, they need help. <laughs> they want help. They're looking for help. And some of us just 
keep on scrolling. But sometimes somebody says, ah, in messages. Two words, Crossroads Church. And then that Sunday, Hurricane Molly came through the door. (laughs) The lady who had reached out to her wasn't here because she was working. And yet her husband and I were standing in the path of Hurricane Molly. And she hit us. There was like a minute left before I had to get up here. And she's like, I got to talk to you. And I said, well, not now. <laughs> and she wasn't taking no for an answer. So I said, let me pray with you. Then I whispered into Josh's ear, get, oh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. <coughs> Today you saw her up here praising God. Why? Because somebody labored last year. Somebody saw a cry for help and responded. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. You see, I believe that in the city of Centralia, many people are going to believe on the name of Jesus Christ because one lady told somebody to reach out to Josh and Josh reached out back and that person showed up and now is leading people who are searching for God. I believe that many, matter of fact, I know because of that reply to a text or a Facebook message or whatever it was, because of that, I've seen an entire family get baptized. In verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. In verse 41, listen to this. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Folks, I am second is so much more than a cool logo. So much more than a sharp t-shirt. So much more than a video. See, what happens is we use those videos to introduce people to God's word. See, it helped many of the people in the town because of her story, many believed. Because of your story, if you will tell it, many people will believe. I told you this last week. The question is, and do you have a story? The question is, will you tell it? Will you share it? Will you listen to the tug, the prompting of the Holy Spirit and say it? This week in our uh, small groups, we watched the video of Brian Welch. And one of, what was amazing was the way that Brian Head Welch, member of Corn, rocker, was introduced to Jesus Christ was when his real estate agent said, hey, this verse is heavy on my heart. I want to share it with you. It was Matthew 11, 28. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That real estate agent had a lot on the line. Brian Welch could have laughed at him and said, you know what? 
I don't want to do business with you. And I'm pretty sure that Brian Welch is probably buying an expensive house. And I'm pretty sure that that was probably a monster commission. And I'm probably sure that when he shared that verse, he realized that I might lose it. I want to give you a couple observations from today. First observation is this, the well. What was the well? It was more than a place where water came out. The well was what was in common between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And I'm here to tell you that you have wells all around you. Matter of fact, if you pull out your hot sheet pack, there is uh, the note taker. And if you turn that over, the one with the circles, just imagine each one of those circles is a well. I put a couple of wells on there. You have a work well. You've got a family well. You probably have a social media well. You might have a gym well. You might have, well, you fill in the blanks. And then, and then what I would do is I would take those circles and then I would start drawing lines and put names of your family. I would draw lines and put names of the people that you work with. I would draw lines and put names of those that you interact with a lot on social media. I would draw lines and put names of those that you've encountered at the gym. And it may be something as silly as this. The guy in the red shirt that sweats profusely. You don't even know his name. Or the person that's always putting the weights back for everybody else that forgets to put their weights back. Not even knowing their name. But you know what? Jesus didn't know her name. And he engaged her in a conversation at the well. The second observation from this story that I want to point out to you is this. That there was water involved. Water is what you're talking about. And what's interesting is it's usually not the same thing. She was talking about physical water and Jesus was talking about spiritual water. She was talking about being pacified and Jesus was talking about how that you can be satisfied. What's your water look like? I'll bet your water looks something like race, religion, politics, and if it's your relative, sex. It's so easy that we let all of those divide us. We let race divide us. Sunday morning, Martin Luther said it, it was the most segregated hour of the week. And it hasn't changed in 50 years. So we start talking about that topic and then we end up trying to find out what separates us than what unites us, what we have in common. When it comes to religion, it's easy for us to find things that are different. We may walk in and not see pews and think that that's a problem. We may walk in and see a drum set and see that's a problem. We may walk in and see things about the atmosphere and we let it divide us instead of finding things that unite us which the number one thing is this, God's word. See, we start and finish with God's word here. We'll change everything else if it can get somebody saved. We'll change everything else to see 70 people get baptized in the year 2021. We'll change it to see people have the embers of their heart stirred up and get ignited on fire for God again. 
politics. Oh, boy, that's a topic today, isn't it? You didn't know some things were politics until you start talking about them. You didn't know medical was a political issue. What are you talking about? And the question is, what you're talking about, does it lead back to Jesus? Because Paul said it to this, this way. He said, all things are lawful for me. I can get over the drum. I can get over the chairs versus pews. I can get over, you fill in the blank, but I can't get over us not talking about Jesus. I can't get over us not talking about the gospel. I can't get over us leaving that out. And so I'll talk race, I'll talk religion, I'll talk politics, but at the end of the day, it's probably always going to lead back to one conversation. Now, some of you are like, oh, man, I did not want to be a Jesus freak. I did not want to be that person at Walmart that's checking out that I got to give them the gospel before I sign my name real slow. And what you don't realize is that you got more options than just one time. What you don't realize is that somebody else has been laboring, that they've seen somebody else come through their line with this crazy shirt, and on the back it says Crossroads Church, and you're wearing one. And they ask you, what in the world kind of cult you guys got going on over there? And all you got to say, look, I I ain't seen them handle snakes yet. And you probably won't. I'm afraid of them. God has put that in my heart. Be afraid. But you can tell them, you know what? I don't know what it is. But every day I show up on Sunday, I walk away blessed. The third observation that I noticed, not only was there the well, not only did they talk about water, but then the word was involved. The problem when it comes to God's word is that we want it to get on us, but we don't allow it to get into us. Last week, I shared with you, because of Paul's testimony, because he was put in prison, in Philippians 1.14, it says, because of that, the brothers are much more bold to speak the word. And I'm here to tell you that if you will allow God's word to get into you like that real estate agent did with Brian Welch, that you'll probably be prompted. I don't know why, Brian. I don't know why in the world that this verse means anything, but God put this on my heart to share with you. We watched this happen this week in groups. I saw one young man reach out to another and said, hey, you know, the Lord put you on my heart. I love you. I hate to see what all you're going through. Our group watched this video. I'd love it if you'd check it out and, and let me know. Then he sent a, to the group a message. said, hey, pray for this young man. I don't even know if he's going to look at it. I don't even know if he's going to respond. Then another one popped up. He responded. And then he gave us a screenshot of what he said. He says, thank you for caring about me. 
See, y'all are so scared to reach out to somebody and share with them a little bit of good news. The best news that we could possibly share with. I can't fix your job. I can't fix your relationship. But one thing I can do is fix your eternity. And yet we'll stay quiet about that. And, and what you think is that you have to have enticing words, that you have to have an ability to speak in such a way that it convinces them. And you missed it. The power is in God's word. Isaiah 55 says that my word will not return void. The question is, will you be the mechanism that allows God's word to get into somebody's life? Turn with me to James 1.22. James 1.22 says these words. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The problem is that the church is full of a bunch of people who take God's word. Instead of looking at it like a mirror and say, ooh, that guy's ugly. That guy's got problems. That guy needs help. Instead, what we do is we, we turn it into binoculars. Like, oh my goodness, come over here. You're not going to believe what I'm, oh my, uh-oh. That's what we do with God's word. We take God's word and we, we start pointing out where people are messing up. We start pointing out where they've fallen short. And the problem is that with other books, we read them to impress us. And the reality is with this book, when we read it, it changes us. I've watched this. I've watched dozens of people's lives changed because they allowed God's word to get into them. And I'm here to tell you this morning that, that you need to be one of those people that allows God's word to get inside you. Romans 12.1 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? By the word of God. Rewrite those synapses. Recreate new pathways that instead of going to anxiety and hopelessness, see hope that only God's word can give you. So there was a well, there was water, and there was the word. And the last observation I've got for you is there was worship. Most of you, when I read that story, you thought this story was about the woman's idolatry. I'm sorry, adultery. The reality is this, that this entire story was about the woman's idolatry. Jesus said to her, you worship what you don't know. You're clueless. And folks, I think, not just here at Crossroads Church, I don't think just watching online, all across our nation, there are people who don't know what they're worshiping. Clueless. We think that this story was about who the woman was sleeping with, and from Jesus' perspective, the story was about who she was in love with. And that at the end of the day, she found the one love, the one relationship that could give her peace. 
Aren't you glad that God put a story in the Bible about a woman who had five marriages that all failed? So yours is okay. Your one failed marriage is all right. Your two failed marriages, it's okay. Three, got you covered. Four, not a problem. Five, it's okay. I'm living with somebody. It's a... He didn't change the story. Didn't change the message. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to take away. Is that the word changed her. If you go back to verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, She went out there to get water. And she forgot what it was all about. Why? Because she was now had a, a totally new message, much more important than the water that was going to run out by the end of the day. The message she had was, I think I found the Messiah. I think I just had an encounter with Jesus. I think. They're like, why? How? James 1.22 don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. She was a doer. You know, our churches are filled with people who are just hearers. And because we're just hearers, we miss out on this concept of worship. Verse 23, it, it shares the, the, the concept that says that the Father is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. One of the things I learned uh, early in life is that in our spiritual walk, we have to have the right balance between perspiration and inspiration. See, some of us are working way too hard on trying to get this Christian thing right. And some of us are waiting way too much on the Holy Spirit to do everything for us. And somewhere in the middle, we got to meet Him. We got to put the work in and we got to let Him work. Hard to do. It's not easy. So here's what I want to encourage you is stop trying to be so important and start worshiping. Stop being frustrated with what's going on in your life and just worship. Stop trying to fix everybody else's sins and worship. I guarantee you the lady didn't go back into the town and tell everybody else, come on, I, I want him to tell you what you've been doing because I saw who was leaving your house yesterday. <laughs> but that's, that, that's what we do in the church. You know, most people think the church is hate-filled people. And, and I get it. I understand. I think that most of the church is jealous because somebody else is out on a boat Somebody else is doing something. They're out on their four-wheelers today instead of giving up their day for the Lord. They're mad because it seems like their life is better without Jesus than yours is with Him. And you don't even have a clue what's going on behind doors. You don't even have a clue how miserable they are. You don't even have a clue how far in debt they are. You don't have a clue how many times they put a gun to their head. And yet you just see and think 
that you're missing out. And what God says, what Jesus said to her, if that's you, you don't even know what you're worshiping. You don't know what you're missing. That's what Jesus says to all of us. The question is, how are we going to answer? Are we going to worship? Worship team, if you'll come forward. If everybody else would just go ahead and stand to your feet. Every one of you have a well. You got a lot of them. Not only do you have a well, but there's water. You're talking about something. It might not be what you want to talk about, but you're, you're having conversations. Every one of you have the opportunity to be exposed and to expose other people to God's word. And every one of us have a chance to worship. But here's the key. Are you going to worship in spirit? Uh, folks, don't, don't take this the wrong way. But there's some people that are raising their hands that need to put them down. And there's a lot of you that aren't raising them and you need to put them up. Because when you're raising your hand and you're praising God and you walk out of here and nothing changed, that's worshiping in spirit. But when you encounter God's word, you can raise your hands, you can, you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and you walk out of here changed. You walk out of here a new person. You walk out of here different. Last week I challenged you that if you brought problems in here to leave them, how many of you picked them back up? You snuck in here during the week and you grabbed them and you took them back out. I'm, I'm challenging you one more time. Leave them. Leave them for good. Worship in spirit and in truth. Worship. Experience a worship that changes you. The, the woman at the well was changed. Brian Welch was changed. Ronnie Whipple was changed. Hurricane Molly was changed. God wants to do the same thing in your life. He is no respecter of persons. The, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And here's what I want to share with you. You've been looking in the wrong place. You've been looking at the wrong person. You've been looking for the wrong results. Stop looking and trying to figure out how God's going to do it and just focus on God. Can you do that for the next three minutes? Just take all those problems you got, pick them up, and just give them back to God. Let Him have them. He knows what to do with them. And experience what it means to worship. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.